All in the golden afternoon in fancy, let's pursue the dream child moving through a land of wonders, wild and new. In friendly chat with bird or beast, and half believe it true. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to Every Version Ever. Sarah and I are back with one more classic review before we move on to something newer. I actually have enough going on IRL and online that I was thinking about taking a week off, but I realized I had one more short one that I could probably get done before Friday, so that's what we're doing. This episode is probably the most recent Wonderland Wednesday I have to share here. This one was from 2019, and when I originally released this one, it was simultaneously an episode of Wonderland Wednesday and an episode of I Heart Movies, which at the time I had only recently started. This time we're talking about a 1955 TV movie from Hallmark. Hallmark, of course, is the famous greeting card company, but in recent years it's kind of gained notoriety for their rom-coms, which I've become familiar with thanks to Rachel Wagner and her Hallmarkies podcast, where I'm an occasional editor. But Hallmark has a long history in entertainment that reaches way back before the current rom-com era, even into the era of black and white TV, which is where this Alice adaptation came from. And actually, this is not even Hallmark's only Alice in Wonderland adaptation. My personal favorite version of the story is actually a Hallmark film from 1999. I've never done a podcast on that one before, but I really need to. I don't know if I'll be able to get to it this summer, but it will happen eventually. Anyway, I think this adaptation might be the earliest surviving television adaptation. I've heard of several earlier ones that were either performed live or recorded and then lost, and we're actually going to be talking about those on the podcast very soon. But that's not what we're talking about this week, so let's get on with the show, talking about the 1955 Hallmark Hall of Fame version of Alice in Wonderland. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome back, back to, to Wonderland, Wonderland Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll probably never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it'll be the new thing. Let's get started. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the 1995 Hallmark Hall of Fame version. This was not one that had really crossed my radar, at least. I think Sarah mentioned she thought she'd seen it. But it was requested a week or two ago by Adam Shirk in one of the comments and on another video so i'd seen the title not the actual movie so this was fresh so we had a little bit of time and this was kind of short so we thought we'd knock one out short enough we had some time longer than a cartoon but shorter than your average movie so yeah this was a television movie so it was basically like about the length of an episode or two of a show yeah it was i think an hour and 15 minutes or so yeah, so they probably maybe had maybe they had like fifteen minutes worth of commercials or something. Who knows? Probably. I don't really know how commercials worked back then. Some some shows had more commercials than others. Commercials weren't quite the same as they were today. That might have picked anyway. up more in the sixties, I don't know. <laughs> we're, anyway. We're rabbit trailing again. <laughs> yeah. This one felt like it had I felt like Alice's acting was a little bit like a play, like a little bit mm-hmm. exaggerated, but not to the point where you hate it. And then in the end credits, I noticed that it was based off of the book, but also off of a play, which made sense the way they made it flow from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. You could tell it was filmed on a big sound stage because she was like walking through a scene and you could see... As she left one part, it just went right into the next. Like, the I think the the 
I think the Duchess's house was like right next to the mushroom. Things like that. Like you could tell it was all one go big through, place. Go through one place, through a door, through another door. And mm-hmm. it was a little bit mishmashed because they put, they put through the Looking Glass and Alice in Wonderland together. So you have different things where they don't belong. But for the most part, I didn't mind it too much. Mm-hmm. They made the mesh pretty well. It was kind of weird when they flipped from the trial scene right into the Red Queen scene. They basically just had the playing cards chase Alice out of the courtroom, and then she was in the woods with the Red Queen. So there wasn't a, there wasn't that much of a transition, but it worked, I guess. Also, it was a little bit odd with Tweedledum and Tweedledee and the Red King in that scene. Yeah, they were just kind of inserted halfway through the Alice in Wonderland stuff. But... Once again, I think that this version, I, I, I am between these two things. I feel like it is a version partly for people who already know what the story is like, but I think that it has enough entertainment value that a child could watch it, mm-hmm. not really understand what was going on, but still get some enjoyment from it. Yeah, it was simplified and... I don't know if... Probably abbreviated somewhat. It it was a little... It was abbreviated on different things. I didn't mind that they didn't take as long, like, with the Hall of Doors. Mm -hmm. They skipped the Sea of Tears, which was fine. It would have been hard to do they had her anyway they had her go through the looking glass instead of down the rabbit hole was prop which was probably because it was in more of a play format Mm -hmm. that had the most vocal kitten that i've ever seen (laughs) on one of these the girl who played alice i thought that she was between eight and eight and ten years old and turned out that she was actually a teenager so she was just must have been one of those people that seems young and she seemed very fitting yeah she she fit the alice role perfectly she was one of probably one of my top out live action alices i'd say so beautiful long light colored hair great british accent adorable voice she was very cute very cute alice this was very much a british version which i don't think i had really expected since it's hallmark but they must have imported it. I can't help but wonder how many of their films they got from elsewhere, and if somewhere in there, the they start. I wonder if somewhere in there they started making their own and calling them Hallmark original movies. That's my own question. Which, hmm. if it doesn't have an answer for this review, I don't mind. But that just came to my mind when you have this British film in 1955 on the Hallmark Channel. And it's so different from the Hallmark that we know today. Mm-hmm. We recognized more than one of the characters in here. The Red Queen and the Griffin were both familiar. Familiar to people who know old Disney movies. The Red Queen especially was definitely Katie Nana from Mary Poppins. And, and the Griffin was on a lot of old westerns, so I knew both his voice from Disney and his face from probably Bonanza. Although you never see his face in this because he's wearing a giant Griffin head. But he has such a distinct voice that mm-hmm. it stays with you. I feel like there was very little bad singing on this version. They did include singing, and some of the songs seemed like 
almost a version of a song from another version just with a little twist on it so I can't speak to how original it was. Also the style of the music was fairly smooth throughout. It was mostly classical, a little bit of 50s jazziness thrown in there. That might have partly to do with it being based on a play. So all the music would have been written for this play, which we didn't know at the time when we were making this observation, but now that we know it was a play. Which I appreciate because we've watched it before where the style of music was just all over the place. And even when it was a play, that one play that we watched really varied a lot in the style of music. So Alice's costume was pretty good. There were costumes that were hit and miss on this for me. You thought, I think the March Hare was one of the better March Hares that we saw. The Dormouse. <laughs> the Dormouse almost looked like an Australian creature to me rather than a mouse. There were a couple of firsts on this version as far as characters. One was a male cook and a male queen. I had never seen that before. The Duchess was also a man who did nothing to try and mask his masculine voice. It was just a regular man's voice. Very, some interesting choices in the characters in this version, but it kind of worked. Yeah, it kind of did. In a weird way. They were entertaining at the very least, and I really liked the cook because the cook at one point was juggling while making soup. <laughs> it's very random, but I there, liked the scene. There were different random things in here that were actually quite amusing. And the cook was roller skating too. Cuz why not? <laughs> we had he had the sneaking suspicion that the cook was actually a clown in real life, but we weren't able to find out on the internet. So if anybody knows. Yeah. If you see this, Mr cook just (laughs) leave a comment another thing that was uh, you probably didn't care but oh my goodness how many of these costumes were like glorified nylons all (laughs) like all over just clinging all over it's like it's like this the cards were like last of the Mohicans, but with big bibs. It was just kind of, I mean, even the white knight was highly elasticized. The griffin, just the mock turtle. Like, what's with all of the spandex? If Was spandex even a thing back then? I don't know. It was a little odd, but it wasn't, it wasn't horrible on some costumes, but it was more noticeable on others. Especially when the cards were, like, turned to the side. It's like, you're not not wearing enough people. That was awkward. (laughs) And it happened a lot. Like, the characters in Your Old Father William, which that wasn't that surprising because it looked kind of like the illustration. And I I don't Mm. know. I don't know if they were just trying to mimic the drawings or something within the book. But on live characters, it just didn't look good it didn't look good but a lot of people wouldn't care that that was anyway um 
I'd say the narrator did a good job and the narrator was a little bit different than they are sometimes on Alice's. I feel like the poem, the rhyme at the beginning was something I had never heard. There were little poetic type touches that I had never heard in other versions, but I think it worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. And it ends with you actually seeing the narrator standing next to Alice. But his suit looks a little bit more modern day, so I don't know if that was supposed to take you back into the modern day and that this was a story that they were telling. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of an odd admixture of Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, and it kind of starts with Through the Looking Glass, transitions to Alice in Wonderland, has a sort of sprinkled in between and ends with Through the Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a lot of heavy complaints about that considering Not how really, no. considering how many versions we've watched. I think for a play, they did a pretty good job mm-hmm. of blending it all together and keeping a lot of the spirit of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would also make sense why they didn't have the train scene, because that would be a lot harder Mm -hmm. to do. Overall, I would rate this one fairly highly. Yeah, it's definitely not on my lower end of the spectrum. We've seen some bad versions, and this would not be counted among them. This one was humorous, it was sweet, it was fairly true to the book. The Alice in this was one of the Mm -hmm. closest to the book that I have seen. She did a very good job. She was adorable, like I say. Overall, I think this is a version that some people could show to their kids and that people who have read Alice will understand better, but like I say, I think could actually have some entertainment value for children. Yeah, I would recommend this one. Especially since it has all the songs. Yeah, and the songs were actually not bad. This is some of the better Alice in Wonderland music that we've Mm -hmm. ever heard. It's not perfect, but a lot of it was actually pretty good. Yeah, with as many versions as we've seen, we we know the spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Some music in these versions can be pretty bad, and this wasn't. Atrocious. Atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd say this one is... On the higher end of middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, I I think this is one of the sweeter versions. Yeah. I okay. hope I hope that helps to shed some light on this version and that the person who suggested it will be happy with the results. I don't know if this was was this a near and dear childhood version or just check it out. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to be all for this episode. Um, As with the last one, we don't know what we'll be doing next or when we'll be doing it next, but we have more planned. We just have to find time to actually watch and review them. So there are more coming. Just have to be surprised as to when they come. And if anybody has any other suggestions, Mm. this one was good. Feel free to throw that stuff out. Yeah, we're always looking for suggestions, any good ones out there we'd love to watch some good ones old ones bbc ones definitely or if it's new and is surprisingly good yeah let us know yeah kind of like that 
1990s one that looked like it was going to be total cheese and ended up having Lionel and stuff in it. Anyway, yeah, that one's like on my the hot. My, that one's one of my favorites now. I would say that one was like amazingly <laughs> mindful. Okay, no. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> we're using it for film space. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that'll be all for today. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another classic episode of Wonderland Wednesday on every version ever. Next time is going to be a bonus episode talking with Sam and Jenna from the Curiouser Archive. In two weeks, we're going to be talking about lost versions of Alice in Wonderland, but at the time we recorded that episode, I'd never done anything with Sam before, so we recorded a bonus Q&A as well. And since a lot of that revolves around Alice in Wonderland, like the episode I did with Jenna last year, I decided to make it a bonus episode here as well. So stay tuned for that, as well as our upcoming episode on lost Alice in Wonderland media. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Every Version Ever. Thus grew the tale of Wonderland. Thus slowly, one by one, its quaint events were hammered out. And now, our tale is done. Thank you.